0: Thank you. 誰 oh
1: Them. ladies and gentlemen welcome to a emergency late night episode of beyond the blade i am your co-host chad didi Meneses, and only here with one of the co-hosts tonight because the other one is sleeping uh i am here with anthony siandra anthony we got a coach man coach watch is over it seems
2: it's over i feel like a piece of me is missing i feel like i was i really came into my own uh during this search um i can i can leave my fear bunker in the woods i'll miss it here yeah Uh, it was cozy i mean you know my coyote pack will miss me um but you know hey it, it is what it is we got ralph kruger um we got a coach not named jacques martin which is pretty awesome um
1: a little bit of a different coach too not a not like a reach yes. head, technically kind of i mean he is but kind of not right
2: yes and no right yeah he he's he's interesting i think behind gronberg he might be the most intriguing just in terms of you know um he's got a little bit of like a aura you know of, of right. uncertainty around him that that's both intriguing and and a little bit uh causes apprehension um but no it's it's a cool hire um it's it's You know, a ballsy hire, if I'm being perfectly honest, and uh, it's exciting. I think, I think, I speak for this fan at least. It's definitely piqued my interest uh, more than you know, Martin Hartley uh, Richards would have.
1: Yeah, for sure. So there's not a lot to know about. Kruger so what we did uh he did coach one year uh, with the Edmonton Oilers he was an associate coach for two years there so we went out and reached out somebody in Oilers land uh maybe can give us a little bit of insight and then Anthony and I will kind of after we're in a little interview here we'll kind of share some more comments but uh we pulled in Michael from the Oilers live podcast uh Michael we appreciate you taking some time with us to chat about Kruger here on short notice late for us and a little bit late for you too there in Edmonton
0: yeah, no, not too bad uh, for one of us Night Owl podcasters. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Um happy to uh, contribute. And uh, as a, a guy that's actually followed the Sabres uh, a fair bit um, over the last, uh, I want to say, five years, um, I'm excited to be on the show.
1: So we'll start with the, uh, I guess, like, like I said before I introduced you, we kind of don't know a ton about it. I mean, I know some from doing some digging and research, but... I think the mystery still lies in his coaching style. So kind of this first question here, I'll kind of leave it open for you. So, you know, he was a coach back during that lockout-shortened season. It was a little bit of an odd breakup, I guess you could say, maybe even a surprising breakup that summer. Um, but kind of what was the overall feel, vibe, um, I guess your thoughts in general on him when he was around with the Oilers?
0: Yeah, so I, and I think this is something Sabres fans can relate to which is, you know, a team that's, that's kind of in transition. That's always trying to find, you know, their way and, and, you know, what's going to solve, uh, whatever slump that they're in at the time. I mean, the Oilers were, you know, middling if you will. And they, um, when they had, uh, so Kruger was an associate, uh, for a few years, uh, he was always viewed kind of as a real, um, cerebral kind of guy, uh, an academic, maybe of the sport of sport in general, sport psychology, that type of thing, and um you know it was at a time where they um they really kind of needed uh something or anything they'd had uh, tom Rennie i i recall, and he you know he really did nothing with the team um he's kind of the guy that we all forget, in fact. Uh, when you talk about past coaches in the, um, you know, last 10 years for the Oilers, Tom Rennie doesn't even come up. So uh, Ralph Krueger, on the other hand, does. And um, so as far as Oilers fans are concerned, there's there's a great deal of, of fans out there that felt he got, you know, the short end of the stick. You know, they would have liked to see more of him. He finished, you know, roughly, I think, around 500 uh, in, that, in that year. And it was a short year. Um, but there was, you know, a lot of things happening then, and, and as I said, you know, the Oilers were looking at really trying to, you know, find something, anything to kind of put a spark in this team and, and hopefully bring them back uh, to playoff hockey. Um, and and I think, you know, as I said, I think Sabres fans can relate to that and um, and the organization. Uh, the challenge, of course, being for the Oilers is is they had also, you know, the longest tenure they had before Kruger was Craig McTavish, and that was three or four years earlier. Um, Pat Quinn was, was uh, right after that, and he was, you know, an old stodgy guy, and then Tom Rennie came in who really didn't seem to do anything with what was a young sort of upcoming team, and then Kruger came in. I'm not sure what it was. I think that, you know, they, they didn't like the immediate success that he had. Um, and then the fact that Dallas Eakins was available shortly after, and he had, uh, Dallas Eakins had success at the minor league level. Right. So if I, you know, there's hope for, for Kruger. He's, you know, he's well known in the hockey world. Uh, he, um, you know, I think as you guys said, if, um, You know you're going to do something and hire somebody and maybe you're going to go a little bit off the beaten path you know i I think kruger's a good guy there's as i said there's probably you know a ton of um uh, of people in the around the oilers organization and around the fan base that would love to see him back in edmonton
2: yeah it's interesting it was was, you actually kind of led me to my next question there the vibe i'm getting from oilers fans is that for the most part and, and of course revisionist history is a thing but um, they, they they were not in favor of of him getting shown the door at the time, or maybe they thought it was handled in, in, in a poor way. Uh, maybe you can kind of dive into that. I mean, what what was it, I guess, that Oilers fans liked so much about him, or, or what did they find you know different, different that he did that they wanted to keep around? Stuff like that. Yeah, I
0: I would well I would go maybe and say it, it's more fifty fifty. Um, you know, there were there were a number of folks that that felt you know he was given you know a raw deal. Uh, but there were certainly, there's nothing showy about Ralph Krueger, right? Um, there's just nothing about his, uh, you know, the way he coached the team, uh, the energy that he brought, you know, outside in the media, um, you know, it wasn't, you didn't get excited, you know, the same way you would for, um, you know, torts, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, the, those guys, like. Even Pat Quinn, as old as he was, he still, you know, showed some emotion once in a while. And and um but Kruger was just, you know, a steady Joe and and kinda, you know, went on his way. And I think for, you know, a fan base that at the time uh was really sort of longing for some element of success, he didn't really inspire anybody. And and so, you know, there were fifty percent, as I said, I, I would say it was cut evenly down the middle, fifty percent of the folks that thought Hey, take a chance on Dallas Eakins and another fifty percent that thought, well, you know why don't we actually try to hold on to somebody for a little while? you know I, I think in in hindsight, right, revisionist his, history, as you say, uh, a lot of folks probably would be happy if we had kept uh, Kruger in the fold for you know at least a couple of years and, and saw what he had to offer
1: so does coaching style like in general to kind of go about on that I mean if he, he he's kind of a guy who a lot of people you know, from what I've read or from people who have talked they say, he's kind of a, there's not really a specific style. He is, he kind of develops to his roster. Um, you know, he delegates to his coaches, you know, he, he brings on along a strong staff with him. And that's one of his things. And, you know, I, I guess my, the the question I'm trying to get to here is, is what kind of, what kind of overall style that he kind of have that Wellers play? Was it more offensive? Was it more defensive or is it more, he kind of fit a style that best fit that roster that at the time wasn't that great and found a way to at least find or suck some success out of it. Yeah, I,
0: I think given what we know about that Oilers team, 500, which he was, you know, close to, yeah. Uh was probably a success. And and that's the challenge is we wanted more as Oilers fans. Uh he definitely um you know was the kind of guy that uh as I said he was you know he was cerebral. He's very smart. Uh he understands the talent that he has. Uh, This is why he's been around the league or around not the league in general, I guess, recently, but hockey in general. Yeah, right. People uh, understand him as somebody who gets talent, who has, you know, the hockey sense that a coach should have. And, uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, there was lots to be made about his motivational speaking. He wrote a book, I think. I don't know what Uh the title is. You know, there was lots made about that you know this this is a guy that i think you know he just thought the game uh really well um i don't think i can't recall and we're going back now it's um yeah it's a while yeah Yeah, it's a while 10 years now <laughs> yeah. when since he coached what um i'd have to look it up uh not i guess not 10 years i'm just looking now 2012 yeah so that's 7 that's years seven ago years now, yeah. i just i don't remember you know a particular style. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have called him a defensive coach. I. I, I think he kind of got that moniker because uh, he coached Switzerland, right?
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah.
0: yeah, and um, you know that was the only way Switzerland would have won anything, and and they did. They did well when he was coach.
2: He was the only coach it seemed like who ever got a really productive season out of Nelly Yakupov. It, you know, he had 31 points in 48 games, which was by far his best rate of his career. I, I wonder, you know, how much of that had to do with the fact that, you know, Kruger ran the number eight power play in the league during that season. Or, or you know, did he maybe just put Yakupov with, you know, guys who, who suited his talent maybe a little better, suited his capabilities a little better? Uh, I'm not sure if, if, you know, you get a recollection on that, but I mean... At that point, it looked like, hey, this kid might be turning, you know, he might be really promising. I mean, that was his first, quote-unquote, full NHL season. It was lockout shortened, but you get the idea.
0: So, now you're diving into the fan, uh, the Euler psyche, right? Like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) this is an area where, you know, if I look back at the coaches of, you know, our – I, it used to be called the decade of darkness but it seems to uh <laughs> seems to keep
1: going same here don't worry yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah you
0: guys understand this but this is clearly a, a case you know where as as a fan you look at a team and look at its utilization and you say you know I wouldn't do that and you can take a step back we're not you know behind the bench every day we're always watching from the press box so to speak right yeah so it's a little bit easier Kruger has an innate ability to watch from the press box when he's behind the bench. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I keep going back to, he's a smart, smart guy. And there is nobody in the league that would say otherwise. He's well known, right? Like he's a known commodity. And, and, you know, if you want to get, uh, the most out of Darlene, you want to get the most out of Eichel and, you want to make sure that they're utilized properly and um, you know, you got uh, that big uh, middle stat kid, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, mm-hmm.
0: You guys, you guys have, I mean, I was at key bank this year when the Oilers were there okay. uh, and, and I've actually, every time uh, Buffalo's been through Alberta, I've been to every one of the games guys okay. like and watched uh players. Okay. Uh, you guys have incredible talent on that roster and it, you know, is it utilization? It could very well be. I mean, I know how much um, Sabers fans believe it or not. I know a number of Sabers fans out here. Uh, <laughs> I know how much uh, you know Housley was hated.
1: Yeah, I mean, speaking um, of utilization, that was his yeah. one of his biggest. Yeah, ones, right. So.
0: Yeah, so uh, you know what? I if you know, and I'd say this to all the Sabers fans listening. I I think that uh, if you guys give Kruger a chance, he's going to do well. And and. You know what? He's, uh, you know, European descent. Um, you got a guy like Darlene on your team who is, I mean, I honestly, I've I watched more Sabres games this year than any other uh, game. Like and watching him live is something special. The it stuff is, that he it does is. that you don't see on TV, um, he's just such a talent. I'm, I'm really excited. Like I love watching good hockey players and he is
2: a good hockey player. Man, you just won so many hearts <laughs> of Sabres Now, not only the Darlene love, but actually saying that, uh, you know, Kruger is the guy to optimize, you know, talent on a roster. I mean, that had that has to be the most wide-ranging criticism, as you said, of, of Phil Housley, his inability to assess and, and optimize his lineup. I mean, that, that right there alone should, should be intriguing enough for people to at least, you know perk their ears at the, at the prospect crew, even if you don't know a lot about them. I mean, that sentiment alone is huge.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I and I hope that it works out. I I think the irony of it all, right, is, is the tie-in and where, you know, Sabres fans are going to be skeptical is the tie-in between the Oilers and the Sabres. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there are going to be the naysayers out there that, um, you know, wonder why the Sabres organization is going to, you know a throw away from Edmonton, um, when we've done so well, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, in the last 13, 14 years. Um, so I, you know, I just don't think we didn't have a big enough sample size to really get the gist, yeah. but if you go, uh, I've, I've now brought it up in the, uh, in the years, uh, from 2009 to 2015, he had the best winning record. Now it wasn't great. It was four sixty-nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was still quite a bit better than everybody else in that time time frame. So um and he only played forty-eight games, and as you you know, rightly pointed out, he did do uh something for Yakupov that nobody else was able to do.
1: Interesting stuff. So I guess the way to end it, since we've talked a lot about the Oilers stuff and Oilers coaches here, this is more of a non-Sabers question. I spent a lot of time on it, but I'm kind of curious of the way to land out there at Edmonton. So where does this Leave the Oilers. I mean, I, I know Kruger wasn't really involved in anything there, but, uh, you know, they, they have a new GM in Holland. Is, you know, is it kind of feel like Tippett or bust out there? I mean, I heard Todd Nelson too as a possibility.
0: Yeah, I mean, Holland is really not a very known commodity for Oilers fans. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, we obviously, the, the one thing that we do know about him is, you know, he's older and there's a lot of fans that wanted to see them go with somebody younger in that role.
1: Sounds like Buffalo. <laughs> uh,
0: he's certainly, uh, his sound bites since he's joined the Oilers have been uh, on point, point. Um, and uh, you know I'm 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 personally excited about having him uh, in the role. I mean we couldn't do worse than Chirelli. you right. right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think um, you know the problem that I have is is I don't know enough about him and he's and he's um, Holland is another guy that's really well known throughout the league. Uh, and I think the benefit to uh, the Oilers is he's respected throughout the league. So I think, you know, Tippett's the name that everybody's been throwing around. I haven't had a chance uh, just over the past week or so to talk to some of the media guys that I know and see what they've, you know, what they've been hearing. I, I think personally, uh, there is a big push for Todd Nelson. As maybe the other guy that's, you know, from the past in the Oilers organization that wasn't given a, you know, a long enough tenure uh, to really prove himself. Um, And I'd like to see Nelson, too. If I had a vote, uh, it would be Nelson. But uh, Tippett seems to be the early favorite. And where there's smoke, there's fire.
1: I hear you. That's interesting stuff. So I don't know. You know, the Sabres and Oilers will always have the connection. You guys have McDavid, we have White Gold, and we are now Dallin. You know, we're the we're the two struggling teams. that have good <laughs> players that can't figure out how to win. So we'll always be connected with Oiler fans here in Buffalo.
0: Yeah, you bet. And uh I'll probably be out in KeyBank again this year for uh the Oilers and the Sabres. Um, you know, I know it's um it's uh a little bit older than uh than Rogers uh, arena in Edmonton. Yeah, yep. Um but uh I had a great time there, guys. Uh, the fans were outstanding, uh, everything about the, you know, just being around the team and, and, uh, you know, being there. Um, and, uh, actually the last two times, uh, that I watched the Sabres in Edmonton, I actually, uh, stayed at the same hotel as them. Uh, so oh, I, okay. you know, I got to ride the elevator with Akposo and, um, and uh, a couple of the other guys, but Akposo is probably the biggest name that, um, that, uh, biggest cap hit, at least. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the it gave me
0: card. a hard time for my Oilers. <laughs> <shit>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. So that is Michael from all of the Oilers Live podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Oilers Live. Excellent podcast. So make sure you do that uh, again, Michael. And I we appreciate you taking the time to come talk with us and give us the insight you did have on Kruger. Uh, some definitely some interesting stuff here that Anthony and I are going to kind of dive into here in the next few minutes. So I really appreciate you taking the time, and we'll talk soon.
0: Yeah, thanks, guys, and uh, I'd love to have you on my show anytime. Yeah, anytime, man. Thanks. You bet.
1: All right, so that was a good conversation there, Anthony. Some good insight there. I I guess kind of the area we both maybe want to get to here, maybe the most interesting thing. I mean, he said a lot of cool things there, but I think the player utilization thing is something that kind of sticks out to me, and and I think it did to you, too.
2: Yeah, that's huge. I mean, that was... I mean, just kind of reading, you know, his quotes that that uh, Joe DiBiase found on, on Dave Tippett. That was the big um, selling point for me with him. Was like, okay, so you've got a guy who, who's been around the block, right? You know, he he knows he knows how to utilize players, he knows how to analyze how a player is being used, and and if you're getting that same thing with Kruger, I mean, that that's a huge win. I like how well versed the guy is, right? I, I like that yeah. he's he's kind of done everything, and and he's been to, to an extent successful at everything he's done. Um, I mean,
1: everybody talks as he's smart, right. Even so yeah. Tough. Yeah.
2: The, and and Michael kind of echoed that sentiment too. Right. I mean, he, he used the word cerebral a couple of times, which, uh-huh. which you know, again, should be music to everybody's ears, uh, in that regard. Cause I, I think Phil Housley came off as, and, and I'm not saying he is one, but he came off as a buffoon at times. I mean, just right, yeah. not having the pulse of his own team. So, um, yeah, yeah, I I love what he had to say about uh, you know, like he said, you know, Dalen middle stat eagle. He's gonna get the most out of those guys, and it's like, man, how could you get more out of Rasmus Dallin? And now, now I'm kind of excited to see, like, man, <laughs> what what does what does he have up his sleeve?
1: Right. I I think the one thing we kind of we didn't touch on for out here, I, I think, is an important part, especially for you know you and I who are very into these numbers. Is mm-hmm. they got to, I might have to choose my words here because I don't, I don't know if I want to like. Like I said, I got a guy who's smart. I think you got a guy who thinks the game differently. Um, I think you got a guy who's a modern thinker, even though he's been out of the NHL since 2000. I mean, I guess you can count the World Cup of Hockey coaching NHL players. Um, right. He's been out of hockey since 2016 at Southampton in the Premier League. Um, but if you look at it, it, it's he's he's going to bring an analytics background with him, right? I mean, I think mean, it's Almost I mean, certainly. Southampton was one of the biggest analytics teams in the Premier League. He was the chairman of that team. They use analytics to find players, cheat players, give them better minutes, and then sell them for a profit. That's how Southampton functioned and was able yeah. to stay relevant in the Premier League. And, you know, and he's going to bring that same type, I, I think, of thinking here. He's going to use that data, use that insight to help him make coaching decisions and maybe, you know, communicate with Botterell on, on roster decisions. And maybe Botterell is going to get more into that. So it's kind of, I, I think that's. You know, there's some people out there who who you know very are not in analytics. People are who are, who are very into it. And the way I, I kind of think about it and bring it is, you know, the Sabres have done so much. They've tried different. They've tried different things. Where I'm not sure they really used, at least to my knowledge, used data analytics to. I don't want to say drive their team completely, but use it as a process to for player evaluation, to sign players, uh, stuff like that. And I think if they can do that now, and they're willing to do that then, you know, go for it and we'll, we'll see if it works, basically.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, one, and I was kind of headline reading a little bit because we were trying to procure a guest and, and I was, you know, reading shit at the same time. Right. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, I guess Southampton's new chairman or whoever, you know, was kind of taking over uh, the role Kruger had, um, basically the the whole sentiment of, of, of the, you know, little bit I read was he, he's kind of, gonna um uh how do i want to say this continue carrying the analytics torch does that make any sense like he he was kind of like you know the the precedent that that kruger kind of set for that emphasis he he's he's very much into you know building on that so so it was maybe a little bit of an affirmation of yes okay so this guy what we're hearing is correct like he he definitely had you know um an an analytics kind of mindset which is huge and and i think in this search uh Jason Botterell was, was looking for that healthy mix of analytics and experience, which which is tough to find. I mean, you know, a lot of your older school guys like like Jacques Martin, Bob Hartley, whatever, I can't imma- even McClellan, I can't imagine that they'd, they'd really be that into the numbers, you know, to, to maybe to enough to satiate Jason Botterell after what he just experienced with, you know, Housley. So that's good. I, I think the takes that I'm kind of saying here are, are silly words like, why would Botterill hire basically his replacement? It's like okay, first of all, right. if, if the Sabers are bad enough to fire Jason Botterill, they're not going to promote the head coach to GM. Right. They're going to promote the head coach of that bad team. That that's just dumb. So I think they're just I think they're just I think what Botterill's doing is looking for a guy who who like you said can kind of lend assistance in that regard. Help help him you know make decisions that maybe he felt he was kind of on his own with Housley.
1: Yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense. You know, I I think it's, you know, there's there's the thing, there's a connection with Botterell's father, you know, in their Winnipeg days, you know. Oh, I forgot about that. Right, there's reports and rumors that Botterill, I I think they're almost not even really rumors. I mean, there there were confirmed reports that Botterell talked to Kruger last time around before hiring Housley, Mm -hmm. uh, and he wanted to stay at Southampton. So, you know, this really isn't, I mean, in, in a way, for us, with the whole coaching, the way the search has gone, it is kind of out of left field. But really, when you sit back and think about it, it's kind of not. It, yeah, in a way, makes perfect sense. You know, right. he is the hire here, so it's. So yeah, it, it's different. You know, it it's it's the type of hiring that I, I guess I can I hitch my wagon to. Right, this is the kind of hiring. Yeah. Want, a lot of people wanted. You know, they wanted something. I think this checks off a few boxes because a lot of it looked like you know the the Sabres and Bader wanted an, an experienced coach well, this kind of is an experienced coach, but the time, same time he's out of, he's out of the box. So really you kind right. of checked off two things here, right? You've, you've kind of hit two things and you know, I, I hope it works. I really do because I think there's a lot of good that can come from this. And if this works and I think you could set the sabers on the right path, um, using the data, player usage, utilization, understanding your roster, understanding your players. Um, so, you know, it's. It, I guess this is this is maybe the first good news to come out of the off season. Yeah, we've had injuries uh, that are unfortunate that have broke. Uh, Skinner remains out of contract without a contract. So I guess this, this is kind of the first glowing news besides um, UPL winning awards in the AHL mm-hmm. or the OHL. I mean, so this is kind of the first good news to come out of the Sabres off season. And in now that this is done and will be official in the next day or two. Uh, step two is for Jason Bottle to go find hockey players. That That's that's the next thing.
2: Step two is for Jason Botterill to extend Jeff Skinner.
1: <laughs> well, yes. And then go <laughs> find <laughs> hockey players. That, that's
2: <laughs> no, no, I agree. It, would I be out of line saying it almost feels like Ralph Kruger is a safer man's Ricard Graunberg? Like a little bit? Like he's yeah. got more serious, yes, like he checks that extra have, box? Yeah, yes.
1: I, I would say you're right. It, it's hmm. it's it's Gronberg esque, you could say.
2: Yeah, I I I, I don't want to say like he he he's he's a knockoff brand Gronberg. That's silly, but like you know, and he's not a safe hire. He's he's a he's a it is different. in a good way. Hire, in a good right? way, a risky yeah. hire, right? Yep. Um, but he's not as risky as Gronberg. Like, the he's guy who's never scary.
1: coached in the NHL before. Yeah, right? it only it, coaches. You know, as
2: intriguing Gromberg, as he yeah. is, and as yeah. as conceivably like high his I guess I'll call it a ceiling would be. Yeah. Um, you know what he could do. I feel like Kruger may not be able to get you to that, those same heights, but he's also probably less likely to be a complete and utter flop. Right. Right, Um, so yeah, I feel like he's almost a little bit more of an even, I don't know. I don't know how to want to say it, but just like a a lesser risk, but kind of the same type of hire. Yeah. I think
1: you're right on there. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, I think it's something I touched on too. It's, it, it's checking off the various, the two different things. You know, you're, you're, yeah. Maybe the owner wanted experience and the GM wanted something different, and the GM satisfied both needs, right? And mm-hmm. that, that, if that was Bottle plan and that's his approach to get what his boss wanted and also get what he wanted, you know, good on him. You know, that's, yeah. So like that's what he got here. So, so, yeah, now we see, now he adds players and now we see how it goes. You know, I, I already thought about today. I'm looking forward to going to training camp next season and seeing. You know, I, I think it was the, uh, no, maybe it wasn't, it was somebody else, but, you know, I didn't read the full Vogel article yet, but Thomas Vanek, they'll set to some interesting stuff in there, but there was somewhere mm-hmm. on Twitter I wrote, I, maybe even former player that said, you know, they liked playing for Kruger and they enjoyed, you know, the different the different types of drills, I think they said, that he mm. would practice as interesting. in training camp. So that's one of the things I'm kind of looking forward to see kind of what, what really comes out of this? What he, from a player aspect, what he does? You know, Botterill said a few times he wanted a good communicator, and a, you know, a guy, who I guess, can connect with the players, and reportedly, you know, from a lot of players to play with him, that's good. You know, that's yeah. important here. So,
2: do you do you follow, you you know Matt Kopnick on Twitter? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he he tweeted something kind of funny. He, he said, uh, my, "My theory is that Jason Botterill met with Miro Shatan uh, in Slovakia because Miro was the GM of that team, Europe." Yes. Uh yeah. he's like and, and shatan used some voodoo and like convinced Botarol to hire career. I, I <laughs> thought that was just a little funny because like how often do you hear about Miro yeah. anymore? That was that was funny but hey Miro's um, doing good
1: things in the league. So I'd like to get the NHL job soon. He's doing some great things with Slovakia.
2: Yeah, yeah. Someone someone projected him as the next GM if Botterall fails, which I thought was kind of funny. It's like, yeah, Mormon nostalgia. Um, but but at the same time, I mean if he's qualified, cool. Uh but yeah, no. I mean, this is this is exciting. It's fun. It, it's 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 a way better talking point than us lamenting like, "Cool, can't Stock wait." Or- yeah, can't wait for the trap. Richard like or- the trap will be fun to to right. try and like rehash in 2019. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no. It's 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 all good stuff. I think everybody should be. I mean, cautiously optimistic. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Like the, I think I think everyone should be at least uh, intrigued. This is now at least interesting.
1: Yeah, I think that, I think that's a good way to end it. it it's. It's something that gives you something to look forward to next season. It's an interesting hire. It's a different hire. Um, And now it's let's see how this coach utilizes what he's learned, what he likes to see, his vision of the game, um, with the hopefully improved roster bottle brings in for him. And then let's drop the puck and see what happens. I mean, that's that's all he can do at this point, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right. So it's kind of late for us. It's past midnight here um, on the East Coast in Buffalo, where most of you are listening from. So. I think we're gonna check out here, even though I'm not even a little bit tired. Um, which I don't know how, because with the whole getting up at seven with the dental surgery this morning, I don't know how I'm not at all tired, but I'm a monster and a freak of nature, so that's the way it is. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm gonna
1: go edit this podcast now
2: and get it up. And <laughs> you gotta shake the number nerd tag now. You gotta shake monster. monster freak of nature, self proclaimed. <laughs> I love it. It is it is like you said, sleep is for the week, so Absolutely.
1: So uh we'll definitely get Bill on here uh, probably next week. Um my last my week is pretty busy here. The small trial turns four on Sunday. So birthday parties, house stuff to do to get ready for the birthday party, it'll we'll be pretty busy. Um then we'll get Bill on hopefully next week for the three of us to talk about this, maybe again, get some more insight. Hopefully we'll have an introductory press conference to dive through and chew on, yeah. get some more insight on Kruger. But like Anthony said, it's interesting um we'll see what comes of it and yeah i guess we'll talk to you next week thanks for listening make sure you're following on btb make sure you're finding on twitter at btb hockey um itunes google play stretcher speaker iheart radio spotify you know where to find us make sure you're following us there as well so for an emergency podcast i believe it's episode 98 I know you haven't been around as long, Anthony, but we're creeping up on episode 100. So that's that's kind of a big milestone for us.
2: Um, I'm excited to be part of the centennial celebration.
1: (laughs) So for Anthony and Chad, we are out of here for this emergency coach podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again for Michael for coming on and we'll talk to you soon. See ya.